How many of you, this is an odd intro, but we're just going to go with it. How many of you like birds? Got a couple of, couple of birds. So my, my wife and I, she says that I love birds. Because we'll be driving wherever, and I'll see something up there, and I'll be like, <laughs> and I'll check. I don't care about the, the big, ugly turkey vultures, but it'd be cool, you know, if it was an eagle or something. I saw an eagle today. Like, she's, she's convinced that I'm like my mom. And if you know my mom, I have an, a, you guys are not allowed to call my mom this, but, but I refer to my mom as the crazy bird lady. Okay, so my mom loves, doesn't like birds, she loves birds. So she reads about birds, she watches birds, she feeds birds, she listens to birds, um, you know, Discovery Channel about birds. She travels by car because she doesn't like to fly. Seems odd. <laughs> she travels by car. How do you think? Anyway. She travels by car to see birds and to watch birds. And if there's anything, what's that? She see anywhere there's birds, she's all for it, okay, right? So, so she's crazy about bird watching, and I think the only thing she likes as much or more than, than bird watching is, is talking about <laughs> bird watching, right? So, caution to, to anyone, don't, don't call my mama crazy bird lady, that's my affectionate term for her, and, and ca- another caution, if you start that conversation, She's not interested if you're actually interested. You will hear about birds for a long time. Right? That's just the way that goes. And I, just th- I, I started thinking about that, and I was like, man, wouldn't it be cool if we loved the things that we've been told by God to watch as much as my mom loves watching and talking about and loving everything there is about birds? And my mom loves the Lord, too, so don't, don't think that you know she's just completely only bird nutty. She loves the Lord. And, and so I just, I just started thinking, you know, we've been talking about being watchmen. We've been, ta- been in Ezekiel chapter 33, and he's commanded us to watch. We're supposed to watch for some things, and we're supposed to respond by talking to some people about the things that we see. And, and I thought, man, what if we had that kind of a zeal about what God is passionate about? What if we had the zeal that you know, bird watchers have in general about the things that they're watching, about the things that God has shown us. So that's what we're going we're gonna to get into a little bit tonight. We're just going to do a word study on watch. We've, we talked about being watchmen. Let's see what the rest of the Bible has to say about it. In Ezekiel chapter 3, we were in chapter 33, way back in chapter 3, uh, God talks to Ezekiel. He tells him kind of the same thing as we saw in 33. He says in Chapter 3, verse 17, he says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Right? So God gives us a definition of of what he wants a watchman to do. There's two things. The purpose of a watchman, God says, hear my words and give my warning. Right? And we spent a lot of time, several weeks going through that. He wants us to hear his words, and he wants us to sound the warning. He wants us to talk about what we've been watching. He wants us to tell what we've seen. 
And what God compares, you know, all of this as a watchman, you know, he, he says a watchman is, is somebody who sits in an elevated position, right? You see him in the watchtower in Ezekiel 33. We see that in other, other places in the scripture as well. So it's somebody who has an elevated position, who can see farther than anybody else, who has a perspective that everybody else who's just going through their daily lives doesn't have. That kind of sounds like those of us who know Christ, right? And, and we've made that point that, man, we have a perspective from the, the word of God that, that everybody else that doesn't know Christ as their savior, they don't have that perspective. So we can see further than they're able to see. We can see the things that God has warned us are gonna come. Man, we can't keep that to ourselves, right? We need to, we need to hear the warning and we need to share the warning. All right, so <clears throat> when he gives this instruction to Ezekiel, he says, go interrupt their everyday lives with my message. They don't know. All right, so two passages in Ezekiel are not the only time that we're, we're instructed to watch in Scripture. And tonight, we're going we're gonna to take a little time to look at a few of those others. We're going to start off in Matthew 24. If you want to turn there, that'll be the first passage that we read. If, if you can't get there fast enough, the verses will pop up on the screen, and, and you can follow there as well. But Matthew 24, we're going to start in, in verse 42, and while some of you are turning there, I'm going to go ahead and, and let's just go ahead and ask the Lord to bless this time. Lord, I'm so thankful for your word. I'm thankful that you've given us specific revelation. You have communicated with us because you care. Uh, you want uh, an intimate, personal relationship with us, and you've, you've let us know how to do that. You've let us know what, what Christ, your son, has, has done for us. You've let us know that left to ourselves, we're doomed, and, and we need salvation. We need you to rescue us, and we're so thankful that you made a way, that you communicated about it, and now it's up to us to share with others, and, and we want to take that serious. So help us to, again, get uh, maybe a, a stronger passion for what you're passionate about. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so one of the first things we see and what we're going to see in Matthew 24 is that we need to watch the time so point number one is, is watch the time. Matthew 24, verse 42. This is going to be like Sesame Street. I'm going to say this word watch a whole lot of times. So by the time we're done here, we're going to know what it's all about, right? We're going to, we're going to have the full context of what God says watching is about. Matthew 24, 42 says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Right? We know that Jesus Christ came to this earth. We know that he lived a perfect sinless life. We know that he went to the cross for our sins. And we know because of all of the other things that he's promised that have already come true, his promised return is going to come true as well, right? And it's, you know, well, that sounds crazy. This guy, you believe that a man died and is going to come back later? Not just a man, right? The son of God, yes, he died for our sins and he's going to return. He promised. And he says he's going to come back like a thief in the night. So you've got to watch because you don't know what night, you don't know what time. Matthew 25, the next chapter, verse 13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Mark 13, go ahead and turn over there. We're going to be there for a few passages, or a few verses here. 
<clears throat> Mark 13, verse 4. This is a parallel passage to what we just saw in Matthew. <clears throat> and in verse 4, the disciples are saying, you know, he's, he's sharing some of these details about he's going to go away and he's going to come back. And they're like, well, when, when, how, how do we know? Uh, verse 4 says, tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? They, they want to know how to tell time. Right? They want to know, when do we need to watch? How, can, I, can I be lazy for a little while, and then you'll give me a sign, and then I'll start watching? Right? That's what my kids want to do. We've got a noisy garage door, so if we've given them some sort of assignment while we're away for a short time, and, and they hear the garage door, it's, it's just, run for the hills, right? scramble, get done what we don't have time to get done. It's too late, but we've got to try. If they catch us in the act, at least we're, right, you know, that's, just give me a sign. Garage door's going up. That's the sign. Mark 13, verses 22 and 23, for false Christs and false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders and to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect, even the Jews, right? But take ye heed, behold, I have foretold you all things, right? This is just one of the examples of the specific details that Christ was giving them in the rest of this passage. Watch out for false teachers. That's going to tell you that the time's getting close, right? Um, Later in the same passage, Mark 13, verses 28 through 37, it says, Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. Sorry, summer's not near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see those things come to pass, know that it is nigh or near, even at the doors. Verily or truly I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch, and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants, that would be us, and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch, the guy standing at the door. Watch ye therefore, For ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Right, it's interesting that that Christ uses a fig tree as an example here. He just, is that just a a random example? No, these guys, the, the Israelites, the Jews knew there was something specifically related to them when he's talking about a fig tree. In, in the Bible, God refers to the, the nation of Israel in three different ways with three different trees, a, a vine or a grape arbor. It's not really a tree, but he considers it a tree the way he talks about it, so I'm going with what he says. The fig tree and the olive tree. The fig tree has everything to do with national Israel. right? The nation of Israel was in existence when Christ was talking about this, but, but about the time of 70 AD, through, uh, I think his name was Titus, he was a Roman, uh, he was the head of the Roman army, they, they wiped out Israel and scattered them across the globe. They no longer were considered a nation. They were still Israelites, they were still Jews, they still had their heritage, but they were not a collective nation of people. 
And then, so I would say that, that it was wintertime. There was no leaves on the fig tree. There were, there were no, certainly no fruit. Then on May 14, 1948, quite a bit later, Israel was once again declared to be a nation. Right? They declared it themselves. The United States agreed. The, I think it was England had possession of Palestine at that time, handed it over to them, and they started moving back. The leaves started sprouting on the fig tree. National Israel was coming back. And he says, if we're paying attention to the details, when you see the leaves come forth on the fig tree, it's almost summer. Something else is coming, right? Isn't that interesting that he used that as the example of things to be watching? So in 1948, the leaves started shooting forth in national Israel. Things are changing. There are signs of the times that we can see when we pay attention to the clock. When we're paying attention to the, to the biblical prophetic clock, it has a lot to do with what's going on in Israel. God has plans for them. And we don't know the specifics of the time or the hour, but we know it's coming, right? So time is getting shorter. So we need to watch. We need urgency. Not just because individual lives are short, and they are, but because Christ is gonna return and we don't know the hour and we don't know the day. The second thing that, that we see if we're, we're just kind of, so what I did, I just collected all the verses I could find that had the word watch in them and, and similar words and I kind of broke them down into categories as, as they kind of fit. You know, some of them had everything to do with watching the clock. Watch because the time is, the time is almost up. Watch because I'm gonna return. Watch you don't know when it's gonna be. The second thing we need to be watching for is for others. We need to watch for others, and I think that's quite obvious because that's what Ezekiel 33 was all about, right? Ezekiel 33, letter A, was all about watching to receive a message for the lost, right? For those who don't know Christ as their personal Savior. We need to watch for the lost. Ezekiel 33, 12, uh, just by way of, you know, going down memory lane from a week ago, it says, therefore thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression or his sin. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day that he sinneth. Okay, so I, we, we talked about this in great detail. God has a message specifically for the self-righteous who are depending on their own works to get them to be okay with God. He says it's not going to work. Perfect righteousness is the standard and you can't attain it. That's why you have to go through Jesus Christ. Right? And, and those who are wicked and, and considered wicked in this passage, he says, look, you, you turn away from that, you need to turn unto the Lord. Turn unto the Lord and depend on his righteousness just like the self-righteous need to do. 2 Timothy 4.5 says, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. We've talked about that. Why do we have to endure afflictions? Because, because other people are watching. And you claim to have a savior. And you claim that he has power. And you claim that he gives you life. And you claim that he's there for you. Endure afflictions. Because other people are watching. Do the work of an evangelist. Because other people need to know. Make full proof of thy ministry. So I have a question on your on your sheet there, what is ministry? And, and, it's, and it's basically two, 
Two things, right? Ministry is drawing others to Christ and building others in Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Drawing others to Christ, doing the best that we can to share the message of salvation, and building others up once they choose him as Lord and Savior. And that's related to to letter B. We're supposed to look out for the lost, and, and we're also supposed to look out for the saved. We're supposed to watch. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, or give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So you may not ever be in the position to where you're a pastor on staff at a church or whatever, but every one of us leads somebody, right? It's our responsibility to lead others to Christ. It's our responsibility to disciple people, to teach them how to walk, to build them up. And so, as a leader, at whatever capacity, it's your job, it's my job, to watch for those individual souls. To care enough about them to help them grow. To care enough about them to to look forward like Paul did. Man, he was looking at the judgment seat of Christ. He wanted to make sure that they knew everything they needed to know so that when they stood there, man, they weren't ashamed. Paul gave them everything they needed so that they were ready. 1 Corinthians 11.1, Paul says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's a pretty huge statement. Right? Can, can you say that? Wyatt, follow me as I follow Christ. <laughs> we might be in trouble a week from now. I don't know. Paul, Paul, I can follow Paul as Paul follows Christ. He was, he was a stud. I get distracted. I get, you know... I get messed up. That's a big statement. Paul says, as I follow Christ. So what I believe he's saying is both follow me while I follow Christ and follow me the way I follow Christ in the things that I'm doing. Right? You can follow my example because I'm copying him. And we know Paul did that. Paul took this thing to every prison they put him in. Right? He was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was not afraid of the results of sharing the message of salvation all the way to his death. All right, so you can trust and follow me, he's saying, because I'm walking with the Lord. You can follow me because that's where I'm walking. I'm walking where he's walking. You can do what I do because I'm doing what he did. I'm putting myself last. I'm putting everyone else first. That's what Christ did. You follow me and do the things that I do because I'm doing the things that he does. I'm watching for your souls. And the third thing under this point of watching for others is we've got to watch for enemies. It's an unfortunate reality. We need to watch for enemies. Acts 20, this is when uh, Paul was saying goodbye to the church at Ephesus. And he was, he was giving them some final instructions, some of the leaders. He says, take heed... Again, we're watching. Therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which hath purchased, which, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, 
not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn every one of you night and day with tears. Paul knew as soon as he left, division was going to come. It was, a, it was a strong possibility. He knew there were people with bad intentions. He knew there were leaders with selfish motives. And they were going to come in and they were going to cause division. And he says, watch. Watch out. You're the overseers. You're in charge of this. So how do we watch? <laughs> what do we do there? Psalm 36, or 63, 6 says, When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches. This is the psalmist talking about God. So how do I... How do I meditate on, on God in the night watches? Psalm 119, 148 says, Mine eyes prevent the night watches, that I might meditate in thy word. Right? How do I meditate on God? The only way I know anything about God is because of what he's told me about himself. I meditate on God by meditating on his word. And this isn't some weird yoga thing where we're, you know, twisting ourselves and downward dog and um, and I don't, I don't even know anything about I, that's, that is all I know about yoga, and I think I got it wrong. I don't care. That's not meditation, was the point. John, or Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. You know what meditating on God's word is? It's spending time in God's word. It's thinking about God's word when you go through your day. It's, it's putting, putting it in there so that, you know, it stays in there. And, and when circumstances come up, you think, wow, that's just like what I read in Joshua 1.8. That's just like what I read just this morning. And, you, and you're meditating on it, right? And you're processing it. And you're applying it to your life. And you're saying, okay, well, how does that work for me, God? What do you want me to do about that, God? How do I respond to you, Lord? based on what you just told me. All of that is meditating on the word of God. And he says the results of that, he says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Man, that's awesome. This is the only time that word success is used in the entire Bible. And it's tied directly to meditating on God's word applying God's word to your life, agreeing with God, saying, you're right, my emotions are wrong. Good success. You're right, the rest of the world is wrong. Good success. Meditate, stick with what God says. There's an American author, I don't know what anything this guy's written, but I, I, I found a cool quote. David McCullough says, real success is finding your life work in the work you love. Aw, that's almost motivational. Real success, this guy says, is finding your life work in the work you love. Well, what if you don't love your work? God says meditate in his word and you'll have good success. No matter where you are, no matter what circumstances come along, no matter what job you have, no matter what people you work with, no matter what falls out the bottom tomorrow. You meditate in my good word, or my word, and you'll have good success. You, you stick with what I say, and the results are going to be profitable. The results are going to be fruitful. 
It might not be what you want to go through. It might not be your dream job. It may not be everything you've always wanted. It sounds good to say, you know, you'll be successful in life if you get to do what you love. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that would be great. But what if you can't? What if you have a job, or bills to pay and, and kids to feed, and the job you have is, is just the job you have? And they need to understand that hard work is rewarding and necessary and all of those things. Well, stick with what God says, and you'll have good success. That's a pretty incredible promise, right? So we need to watch that way. John chapter 10, verses three and four says, to him, the porter, or the, the doorkeeper openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. This is tied back to watching out for your enemies. There's gonna be grievous wolves in the flock. How do you know which one's a wolf and how do you know which one's a sheep? Because sometimes there's sheep in wolves' clothing and sometimes there's wolves in sheep's clothing. And I'm confused. Right? There's Christians who want to dress like the world. I don't know what to think about them. And there's wolves in the flock who want to just divide and devour. How do I know? Do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know Christ well enough to know when something's not of him? And the best way to know is is just to get closer to him, just to draw nearer to him, to get into his word and fall in love with him and understand, understand how he thinks and what he stands for and how he moves through your life and how you need to follow him. You're gonna know what to stay away from. You're gonna know something doesn't feel right. And sometimes you don't know because people are really good liars until they're not. And then you run that wolf out of there because that's the way you gotta do it. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. We just saw Joshua and what he was doing was prepping the nation of Israel to cross the Jordan River, to go into the promised land, knowing full well, once we get there, it's gonna be on. It's gonna be wartime. We gotta, we gotta man up, fellas. We're gonna go across the river and we're gonna take down the enemies that have taken what God has promised to us. Right? He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, prepare for battle, trust God, knowing, that, you know, knowing what you believe and why, and you know, it's time to man up. Weston and I, sometimes we, we've been going up into the woods trying to get that disc golf stuff ready because it was just completely overgrown. And I say, hey bud, you know, go up in the woods and do some man's work. Yeah, Dad. <laughs> it's like, it's just, a, it's just fun. Quit you like men. Let's get up on the hill and let's uh, get dirty and, and throw sticks and branches and stuff. and Let's do battle with the woods, Weston. Okay, Dad. Let's go in, right? That's what that's all about. The third thing we need to watch, and, and just as important as all the other ones, is, is we need to watch the Lord. Because he's at work, and you don't want to miss it. We've talked before about circumstances. Man, circumstances can teach you the wrong lesson if you're, you're thinking and looking at it the wrong way. Circumstances can get bad, and you can just say, God doesn't care about me. But that's the wrong perspective. That's missing the point completely. 
Colossians 4.2 says, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. There's several verses that, talk, that connect prayer and watching. Christ in the, the garden with, with the disciples. You know, Could you not pray and watch with me an hour? Could, you know, it's, it's, there's a, a strong connection. Talking to God. So when we're praying, we're talking to God. We're asking him things. We're communicating with him. After you ask for something, what do you do? You know, if you're like me and you're easily distracted, you forget what you asked for. <laughs> and then you have no idea God's answered your prayer because you're just scatterbrained. <clears throat> no, we need to watch what God's up to, especially after you ask for something, because then you're going to see him come through for you in incredible ways. Right? We need to ask. We need to seek him for direction and help, and, and then watch and see him come through. Watch him answer. First Peter 4 Verses 12 through 14 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the Spirit of God and the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. So is life difficult? Your perspective could be God doesn't care. First Peter says, man, if life's difficult, you have an opportunity that you didn't have when it was easy. You have a chance to glorify God in a way that you wouldn't have when life is just smooth and you got everything that you wanted. We need to watch. He's up to something, right? If life gets tough, a little tough. In the, the first chapter of First Peter, verses 6 through 9, it says, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, thou now, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Peter is talking about this process of refining gold. Do you know what God's doing when, when the heat of life turns up? He's doing the same thing with you. Right? How do we refine gold? We, we heat it so much that it melts. The impurities rise to the top and they scrape them off and they repeat the process because there's still some more in there and they repeat the process until what? Check this out. He says, being much more pr- precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with the fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Do you know how many times he's going to do it? until he looks at you and sees himself. That's how many times he's going to do it, until the impurities are gone. He's promised to do it until the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's what they do with gold, too. When you can see your reflection, it's, that's pretty pure. There's nothing else in it. He wants to purify us. The trials are God at work. It's an opportunity for you to show God at work to the world. Philippians 1.6 is an incredible promise. Being confident of this very thing, 
that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to quit on you. Is it hard? Is it something you would ask for? Absolutely not, right? Nobody wants trials. Nobody wants difficulty. But when it comes, he says, just remember I'm still here. Just remember this is an opportunity. Just remember this is part of the process of me making you more like my son. You're going to look just like my son. It's going to be a beautiful thing. Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Patience, experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts or in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. These are references showing God at work inside of us. The book of Acts shows God at work inside of other individuals and believers turning and joining God where he's at work. Right? There's all kinds of examples. We need, to, we need to see, we need to watch for the Lord as he's at work. We need to watch for what he's doing in our lives so we can give him credit. We need to watch where he's at work in other people's lives so we can join him, so we know where to go and who needs help and how to, how to work with him. We're going to wrap it up. Have you noticed a pattern with all of this watching? We're to watch the time because time is running out. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. There are less opportunities. We're to watch for others to lead the lost to Christ, to build up the saved, to walk closer with Christ, and to protect the sheep from the wolves that devour. Romans 14.19 says, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Right? We want to bring people into the gospel of peace we want to build up our brothers and sisters and we want to run off any wolves that come in there. You have to deal with that in order to have peace. We need to be watching what the Lord is doing so we don't miss where he's at work and what he's accomplishing to use us to reach more people for him. 1 Corinthians six seventeen says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Right? This is in contrast to what the, all the other things he's saying that the, the Corinthians were joining themselves to that was, that was sending a, a really messed up message. Right? They were joining themselves to the world. They were joining themselves to a harlot. They were, they were joining themselves to all of the, the mess that the world around them had to offer. And he says, no, don't do that. You're, you're free from that. Join yourself unto the Lord. Every aspect of watching has to do with God's love for people and reaching them with his message of deliverance. That's what all of this is always going to have in common. Leviticus 26, verse 12 says, And I will walk among you, and will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Man, what an awesome thing. That, that takes me right back to Genesis in the beginning, where God came down from heaven to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden to spend intimate, personal time with them. He wants to come down and do the same thing with Israel. This is not about God requiring us 
to follow his rules perfectly. His desire is to walk with us. And we can't do that if we're walking against him. So we need to watch for the things he's warned us about. We'll close with Mark 13 again, verses 33 to 37. Pay attention to what he says. Take ye heed, watch, and pray. For ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house, gave authority to his servants, and to every man his work. We've got a job to do, don't we? And commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Let's pray. Lord, I'm thankful for a, a simple word study and, and what you've done in my heart, and I pray that you're moving in all of our hearts to have the urgency to realize that time is running out. And there's too many important things to, to be doing to be wasting it on the distractions of this world. There's too many important people in our lives that don't know you yet. There's too many people that you want to keep working in and through. So I pray, Lord, that you would use us, that you would open doors, you would give us opportunities to share, that you'd give us opportunities to edify one another and build each other up. And, uh, Lord, we're just so thankful uh, for the work that you're doing in us. Uh, we never want to miss what you're doing, so help us to watch that as well and to appreciate that you're here through all the worst things that we suffer through and, and all the, the incredible things we get to experience as well. We love you. Uh, we pray that the song is, is glorifying to you as well. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.